definitely human. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It is the spring of 1929, and at the furthest reaches of the world, five dispirited travellers stagger through the windswept wastes of Antarctica, contemplating their quest. They have vowed to put an end to the powerful cult of an ancient and terrible evil, and are unsurprised to find themselves enduring misfortune and pain every step of the way. Now, having overcome nightmares made flesh and bizarre mind-bending visions, our heroes forge ahead, each step bringing them closer to the smiling jaws of the infinite bad. The Doom of Antarctica, Part 6 Dorothy Taylor is kneeling in the impossible silence and light, pressing the palms of her hands against her eyelids, hoping that if she just applies enough pressure, she can somehow shut out the preternatural phenomena around her. A moment passes just long enough for Dorothy to wonder if she has somehow been propelled through time itself, and then the sudden return of the howling blizzard prompts her to look up at Joy and John Selim, who are casting about wildly, and at Cornelia, who seems to be almost invigorated by this uncanny experience. Dorothy gets to her feet, 
all is as it was. The darkness, the storm, the toppled dog sled, the frozen man lying dead at their feet. She turns to Sebastian to find him hunched over in the snow, cradling the lifeless dog in his arms. His brow is furrowed in bewilderment, as if he is fighting his own dawning comprehension. But inevitably, the dread finds him. Ten. You gain ten dread, Sebastian. You are trying very hard to take this in a positive way. Uh, Maybe this is your chance to say goodbye to your childhood dog, Sebastian. Nope, I start crying. (laughs) I sob like a baby. (laughs) You did that, Georgia. You did that. I hope you're happy. And what do the what do the rest of you want to do? I'd like to give Sebastian a hug. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I guess we'll see to the human. Yeah. Sebastian's sobbing. We can't just leave him alone in his grief. I'd like to give him a hug. Okay. okay. Yeah. So Dorothy, you give Sebastian a hug. <laughs> Cornelia and Joy, you do you want to turn this man over? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh you turn him over, his beard is overgrown. Uh it's kind of ginger speckled with grey. Uh, his eyes are frozen open, uh, and he seems quite thin, but otherwise, you're not really sure what he died of. Um, he doesn't seem to have any obvious bullet holes or bloody wounds on him. Does he have any identification or paperwork on him? Can I pat the pockets down, see if there's anything? Yep, so you start opening his coat and going through it. You can see that he has a passport, uh, and this is Duncan. Okay. Guys, we found Duncan. Um, So what's wrong with this guy's body? He's just died frozen because of the snow? It would seem that he's just died from the cold. From There's no obvious external wounds on him. Uh, What about... Uh, his sled of supplies like has that been plundered at all or is anything missing make an investigation check both of you yeah, yeah. five two yeah <laughs> I mean there are provisions on the sled that have toppled over but you can't really tell beyond that I mean it seems like he was making his way towards what you now know is the direction towards the observation post. Um, what kind of provisions? I'd like to add them to ours. Mm. Yeah, you can take, certainly there is some food there that you can take. Uh, there are some additional clothes there that you can also grab. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do they all seem like the size of Duncan? Uh, roughly, okay. yeah. All right, I think we should continue on then, yeah. probably. Can we see the tower, did we say? Well, you saw it in that episode where you were able to, yeah. to kind of um, oh. see clearly. You saw the direction oh. that it was in relation right. to the topple over dog sleds, and now you know exactly where to go. Okay. Uh, we should head there then once yeah. uh, you two have made your peace. Dorothy <laughs> <laughs> and Sebastian, you, are you okay? Are you okay, Sebastian? I'm fine. I lie. <laughs> <laughs> Jean Celine looks around and says, we need, we need to keep moving. What ways... Why is Sebastian so upset? It's a good point, Johnson. We do need to get moving. Let's let's, let's do get, that let's now. Let's get moving. I'm sorry we're not all ice cold like you, John Saleem. All head on his shoulders, John Saleem. He's <laughs> good at the fight. <laughs> okay, okay. John Saleem takes a step back and, and looks around. I'm, I'm sorry, cause uh, defense. No, you're quite right. We do need to get moving. Yeah. Let's let's make some let's make some progress. Doctor, uh, I I think this this man is no longer alive. I do not think we should guy him. Can I do another medicine check on him? Yeah. Just at normal? Yeah, because you're still at two levels of medicine. Ten. 
exactly the same as when you first looked at him. I can't I tell think... if he even has a pulse. As uh, in, like, it just feels like I should be able to tell if it's... someone's dead. Well, I mean, you don't have a, a stethoscope, and there is still a blizzard raging. Okay. It's quite difficult to tell. Um, I think if there's any chance, if I can't say with any, with absolute certainty that he's dead, I really think we should keep, we should, we should hold on to him. Okay. Okay. I, I, I do not want to carry him, though. I'll take him. Thank you, Sebastian. Okay, so you proceed ahead, uh, and you're walking for maybe another 30 minutes. Make another constitution save, everyone. Dorothy, you at disadvantage. 12. 3. 15. 15. Okay. Wow. Uh, So, Joy, finally the cold is starting to get to you. Uh, The rest of you don't take an exhaustion level, but Joy, you're starting to feel it a little bit more. Ahead of you, and it's been about half an hour now, ahead of you, a pale yellow light glints, and a feverish sense of elation rises up inside you as you recognise it to be the weak emanation of an oil lantern. The storm saps your strength with every step you take, and although you can already begin to see the silhouetted outline of the observation post tiny against the enormity of this landscape, you wonder whether you will be able to reach it before you succumb to the penetrating cold. Jean Selim, the least accustomed among you to the cold weather, staggers and stumbles to one knee with almost every step he takes. He walks near you, Sebastian, putting a steadying hand on your massive arm every few seconds as he mutters to himself in his native Arabic. Uh, You've now reached this observation outpost. It looks like a tiny hut, little more than an outhouse in terms of how big it is. It's maybe 10 feet high and about as much wide. Uh, You can see there's some sort of strange antenna-like devices sprouting from the top of it. But besides that, it looks like an absolutely tiny, tiny place. There is a weak light coming from inside it, though. Go and check it out. We should have weapons drawn, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, make perception checks as let's, well. Let's as be approaching. stealthy, because... Yeah. Yeah. disadvantage, right? Yeah, at disadvantage, Dorothy. And Joy at disadvantage, also. Ten. Eleven. Five. One. Wow, okay, so Dorothy, you notice that there are dogs here and a sled to the side of this observation outpost uh they all seem to be huddled against the force of the blizzard uh crowded against the side of the observation outpost which gives them the most shelter from the wind and you didn't notice them at first because most of them are partially covered in snow but they all seem to be alive and there is a sled there also do they seem like they're good dogs they seem like they're excellent dogs yeah Um, I would like to uh, pat every dog. Yeah, okay, you go up to them and pat every dog. Um, They all seem happy to see you. Uh, About half of them kind of lick your hand a little bit as you pat them. Uh, A few of them get up onto their, uh, to to be standing up, wondering whether it's time to go now on the sled. But others are a little bit too tired and cold to get up, and so they just kind of look up at you curiously. Should we feed the dogs? I think we should definitely feed the dogs. Oh, what a good idea. This is really heartwarming. Excellent excellent idea, Mrs. Cavendish. (laughs) So you haven't gone inside Um, yet? I I feel like I want to check inside. I don't know. We're going to like make so much noise feeding these dogs. That's a good point. I would like to do a a circuit of this observation tower as well Mm -hmm. to see what I can see. How 
All right, sorry, describe it to me again. How, how tall is this? Thing? It's about 10 feet tall, and maybe is just it not these that big? antenna. No, yeah. it's tiny. These antenna like devices go up another five or 10 feet. It's basically like a 10 by 10 by 10 cube. It's a okay. very, very small, it's like a, a tiny room in the middle of this wasteland. There's a lamp. So yeah, I'll still do a circuit to see if there are any other doors, windows, mm. like what's going on while um, Dorothy feeds the dogs. I think <laughs> Dorothy and Sebastian should have that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Dorothy and Sebastian, you can start to feed the dogs your provisions. They eat ravenously. Uh, they just tear into any food that you can provide them. Um Cordelia, you can see no windows on any of the walls of this observation outpost. There is a small window set into the door, and that's what you saw the yellow lamplight coming through on, upon your approach. I would like to sneak a peek through the window. The window itself seems like frosted over. You would need to wipe it away and basically give away that, to whoever is inside that you are here. Can I wipe away a little bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a tiny corner and then look through. Okay. Make, make, a, make a stealth check. Two. <laughs> you go up to it and you start trying to wipe it away, but you get quite frustrated, and it ends up being you're tapping your finger insistently <laughs> against the corner of the window, um, and it doesn't actually manage to wipe away much of the ice at all. Um, you need to really scrape at it to remove the ice. I see. Cornelia. <laughs> Did you just shush me? <laughs> You're trying to be stealthy. You're being very, very unstealthy. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> <sighs> I think we need to work together mm. to either like whip the door open and surprise, or, or we crack the door open. Like we need to unite as a team, united mm. front. Okay. Yeah. We hear anything from inside the. Uh, well, you two are still feeding the dogs. They were literally will eat as much food as you can provide, and they're starting to get quite happy and, and vigorous now, and they're starting to uh, give off some yelps and little yips. Okay, I think we should stop feeding them. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them all of our provisions. Yeah, you come back at whistle. <laughs> Fat dog. Clothes and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I apologise to the dogs. I wish we could give more. <laughs> so, we go in? I suppose so. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, who's opening the door? I will. Sebastian, uh, you open the door and step forward. The man that you see before you is crouched on the floor, his back leaning against the wall of this outpost, which is little more than a buttressed cabinet containing a tiny desk, a series of ledgers, and a few meteorological devices. He is greying, and his once neat hair is sweaty and threaded over his pasty forehead, giving a haggard look to what once must have been a rugged, strong-jawed face. You do not know him at first, but when he speaks to greet you, the recognition is immediate. You've, you've finally come, is that it? Angie's little cronies, come to finish your own stepson. Tom? Is that you? It is Tom Gresley. He looks up at you and he says, Do I know you? It's, it's me. It's Sebastian St. Battenberg. We met at Draco Hall. He stares at you and he seems to be trying to, to run through his memory. He says, I, I never Wait. You're the ones who've been following us this whole time. Coming years after we've left... Always a few steps behind, weren't you? Well, we... I feel like we were kind of on it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you find at Drake Low Hall? 
a burnt-out husk of what we left behind. Oh, right, yes, when we came back. Okay, I kneel down next to Tom and put my hand on his shoulder and I say, I don't understand. For us, it was, it was moments. We haven't been years behind. We've been right behind you. <laughs> well, you've gone mad. Mr. Fairbanks said as much as well before you finished him off. No, no, Fairbank was a monster. That he was. He was a monster. So was Vinny and even my own Angie. What, what have you been trying to do this whole time? Stop all this evil, right? Find Angela and stop her. We stopped Fairbank. We stopped that Vinny guy. Well, you've come too late. You've come pretty close, but you've come too late. I'd like to approach say, where is Angela? She's further on. Further on where? Dorothy, make a medicine check. Uh, still normal. Yeah. Twelve. So Tom seems drunk, uh, and he seems a little bit delirious. You're not quite sure what he's going to tell you is the most reliable, but he seems he seems in a state of great distress mentally and a little bit physically as well. He says, "Angie's gone on. She's gone back to Drakelow Hall. She's gone on, hasn't she? I, I was just a dentist, you know." Gone oh. <laughs> back? Why? See, I, didn't, I didn't want to get. I didn't want to get caught up in this. The things they asked me to do. What did they ask you to do, Tom? It's just a dentist. Too late for what? What are we too late for? You're too late if you're trying to stop the rebirth. I think we certainly are trying to stop that. Yes. Rebirth the rebirth of, of who? What? Yeah. Were you the ones who killed Lord Talbot? And she was telling me. It's telling me some fools were on our trail. Well, that, that can't have been us. We were on the trail, though. I maybe, maybe some other people were also on the trail. I don't know, but we saw Lord Talbot die. We didn't kill him ourselves. He had a heart attack. Poor living is what killed him. Yeah. <laughs> There's a moral there. Wait a minute. Are you saying that Angela Gresley is back at Drakelow Hall? Because we came rather a long way to find her. You're very close. It's just a bit further on. No, sorry. How is Draco Hall just a bit further on? We're in the Antarctic. <laughs> You're so far behind, all of you. Mm. Can we catch Make up? perception checks, all of you. Seven. Ten. Two. Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Joy, uh, in a flash, you see multiple things. You see... There are four bottles of yellow tea unopened in this room. There are also 12 sticks of dynamite underneath the desk, which contains all these meteorological equipment on it. You can see also that Tom Gresley has a gun on the floor near the dynamite, and he's slowly moving his hand towards it. I don't want any of this. I don't want to drink that fucking tea. You don't need to drink the tea. You don't understand. If Angie's people come, they're going to make me. I know what happens. I've, I've done it myself to others. But I'm a fucking dentist. I should never have been doing this. Now he's picked up the gun and he's... Joy, if you want to try to grab for it, I'll give you advantage yeah. because you saw it before. Yeah. It's an opposed check. So you need to beat a 14. 19. Nice. Okay. Uh, what do you want to do? Do you want to just snatch it or kick it away from him? Yeah, I feel like I kick it away from him doesn't need to be this way. Come with us. Be on our side. That would do no good. If you want to go to your death and become one of them, 
become like Angela. We I don't, don't want any part of that. We don't want to become like Angela. We want to stop them. You've said yourself these unimaginable horrors. Help us with your expertise. We can we can beat them. John Selim looks at the rest of you and he says, "How do we know we can trust this man?" I say, "John Selim, if you cannot be any help, go wait with the dogs." <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, John Selim, can you bring Harvey inside, please? That would be very helpful. Oh uh, yes. So John Selim looks disgruntled, but he goes back out uh, and he brings Harvey inside. As soon as he does so, Tom looks at Harvey and sees the condition that he's in, and he begins weeping. Can I do a medical check on Harvey? Yeah. Is it still at normal? Uh, I will say that you've been warm enough that you can take your exhaustion from the cold off. So yeah, you can just do it at advantage as normal. 16. Uh, he is dead now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Tom, can you tell us anything about this man? What happened to Harvey? He was a good man. He was a good man. That's what awaits all of you. Do you want to end up like Harvey? Well, no. 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 <laughs> so can... Tom, listen, just because the outlook's dire for all of us, that doesn't mean we don't try. We have to try. Sounds like you've done some pretty bad stuff. Wouldn't you like to do some good stuff instead? Make a, well, make a persuasion check, Sebastian. Joy, make a dexterity check. 19. <gasps> 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so Tom lunges for his gun that you've kicked away. Uh, Joy, deftly, you manage to just snatch it out of his grasp. And as you do so, Tom seems to realise just how far he's fallen, how pathetic he, he must look. And he looks up at you, Sebastian, and your words hit home just at that moment. And through his tears and looking at Harvey, he looks up at you and he says, God, you're right. You're right. I can't. I, I've got to try to make up for this somehow. Good man. Yes. You need to take the dogs and, and continue on. The dogs will know where to go. I was I was supposed to go there myself, but listen, I'm no use to you. You take take this. He take he points towards the dynamite that Joy you already noticed. Whatever you see down there, just just get rid of it. Destroy it. And if if you see Angie, the only way to destroy it is to leave her to the others. Leave her to to those things. If you kill her, she'll just keep coming back. She's she's always going to be reborn. Okay. All right. Thank you, Tom. Before I go, I would like to reach my hand into my pocket and take out my Bible <laughs> and give it to Tom. Thank God, I thought you were going to take the tongue out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this yours? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he looks at the Bible and uh, as, as tears begin to fall on it, he starts leafing through it and he says, that's, that's good. Yeah, leave this with me. All right, everyone. Goodbye, Tom. Um, how big is the sled? Can it take all of us with the dogs? Or are we trying to split the dogs on two sleds? What are we doing? So you've got two sleds. Mm -hmm. uh, there are 13 dogs. Uh, you could all fit on one sled, but the dogs will not be able to carry two different sleds. So you're either, well, if you want to all fit 
you won't be able to carry your provisions. Can we leave John Salim behind with Tom? <laughs> oh, I just assumed he wasn't coming with us. We have to. Bring Does he John even Salim. want to come with well, us? Well, that's it. I think we should, we should give him the him. choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John Salim, you don't want to come with us, <laughs> do you? No, admit it. You don't want to. No, of course I. I, I must go with you. You can't leave me with this this depressive madman. But you know what you're going to, right? You know what what it means if you're coming with us. If you're coming with us, you need to be all in. We oui, yes, um, I've, I've been all in. Yes. <laughs> Good man. Good clap him on the shoulder. All right. So we will have no more shirking or complaining from you. Uh, what does this mean? This shirking. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the okay. choices are we are we leaving? I mean, there isn't a choice, right? We've got it all go. I mean, I mean, I suppose I well, hope we would come back. But we've got the necessary. Like we've got our weapons and everything. Yeah, and our take, rope. We have the rope and the dynamite. Mm. Yeah. You can take some bare essentials with you in terms of supplies that you can fit, like in your coat pockets okay. and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so it's very crowded. This sled is, is really for three people. Um, but the dogs seem extremely game. As soon as, as they get onto the sled, they know what that means. And they start getting very, very excited. And they shake the snow off of them. Uh, and they start uh, kind of bounding up and down on their front paws. Um, and very excited to get moving. Um, as you just begin to, to move away from the shed, you think you can make out the sound of a hiss although this might be simply the fictive dilation of time that presages a moment of unbearable trauma, then the hut behind you explodes. A dry, flat, cardboard sound erupts like a ripping pop that tears your eardrums. You barely cling on to consciousness uh, as the shreds of the outpost hut flutter to the ground with the snow. You are now utterly without landmarks in this environment, and although you, you, you steel yourself to feel the roaring wind come back to fill the vacant space that the explosion carved out, you find yourself disoriented by the utter stillness that seems to have broken out across the landscape, almost as if in tandem with the force of the explosion. Only a few small silvery flakes of ice drift towards the ground now, and all around you the air is bitterly cold still, but clear and silent. In the sky above you, you can see a glaring, baleful aurora that sends sickly green striations of light weaving across the ice below. And in the distance, at the top of a long but gentle incline, you can see a shape, a dark structure with tiny squares of light marking it as man-made. Are the dogs okay? Are we like yeah, you've been everywhere? you've been momentarily stunned by the oh, force okay. of the blast, but the dogs seem the dogs seem okay. Yes, I look back to the rest mm-hmm. of you and sort of shrug like a kind of <laughs> that happened. Mush, mush. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the dogs start running off and then almost immediately stop, and you realize that the the force of the blast has basically broken the sled. And they've just started running off and they realize they're not pulling the sled. So they stop because they don't feel the weight of the sled. And then they look around utterly confused. Uh, You look down at the sled and you see that, yeah, pieces are missing from the handlebar. Okay. And there's basically a huge amount of of debris strewn around on the snow. We have rope. We brought a hell of a lot of rope. Can Mm -hmm. we tie the the straps of the huskies? Can we tie it around the sled and make kind of... Yeah. Either that or we just we all hold the rope and I don't know. If yeah. that's... Let's work together to do that. Yes. Okay. So the Huskies have now um have started running back towards 
Sebastian and Dorothy because you were the ones feeding them. Um, <laughs> <and they've... laughs> so happy. Yeah. Are we all together? Are we? Yeah, the... yeah you're all together, but they've kind yeah, of. We can tell that they're. Yeah, really... We can tell that they're yeah, because they love us. I think yeah. they're just coming to us all equally. No, <laughs> yes, it's pretty obvious. Um, <laughs> the harnesses that they were uh, bound by have been shredded a little bit by the force of the explosion. So now that it's all come loose and they're all just kind of crowding around you. Have the so rest of our provisions been exploded? basically. Back at the hut, yeah. Back at the hut, yeah. Okay. I have a survival skill, so presumably I could yeah, so do roll I. to try and put it all back together. Yeah, between you two make a make um, survival check at advantage. 16. 20. Nice. Okay, uh, Sebastian, you act as a veritable dog whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> and you just uh, you just stand with your arms outstretched and the dogs kind of crowd around you and they get into, they like, get into formation. Come on, Sebastian 2. Sebastian 4. <laughs> <laughs> um, you manage to make a kind of makeshift harness out of the rope that all of you were carrying slung over your shoulder. It's great thinking from Cornelia. Um, and this is exactly what you needed. So you managed to, again, lash them into a formation of... 12 plus the lead dog at the front. Um, Joy, for your part, you managed to search through the debris that was strewn by the explosion uh, and you find the bits of the uh, sled that were knocked loose and you relatively easily managed to lash them back onto the sled. It's a little bit more rickety than it was before the explosion, but you feel pretty sure that it's going to be serviceable to get you where you need to be. Okay. I'd like to take a moment to survey what we've achieved here. Say. So- <laughs> Not today, Satan. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> no sooner have our heroes positioned themselves in the spacious carriage on the sled than the dogs begin to move, shockingly quickly considering their burden. They are energetic and vibrant, nipping at each other's ankles before eagerly falling into line, diligently ferrying their passengers across this limbo towards an unknown fate. For a few minutes at least, Dorothy, Cornelia, Sebastian, Joy, and Jean Selim are able to catch their breath and take in the strangeness of the landscape. There is no sound except for the gentle slicing of the sled making its way through the snow and the padding and panting of the dogs. It is extraordinary to think that, for our heroes at least, this nightmare began in a manor house in rural Cumbria almost a decade ago. Even now, they regret their meddling curiosity, their thirst for knowledge that propelled them to uncover the secret of Drakelow Hall and unleash its darkness into their lives. And now, if Tom is to be believed, the dogs are taking them to their dreaded nemesis, Angela Gresley, whose diabolical plan is nearing its apex. Our heroes do not know what final, fathomless horror awaits them there at the end of the world, but they will face it together. There is no turning back now, and perhaps there never was. They must stop this evil. They must, no matter the cost. You've been listening to The Doom of Antarctica, written by Giorgio Mariani and produced and edited by David Knight and Tom Dalling, with music by Jonathan Day. Starring Eleanor Kohler as Dorothy Taylor, Maximilian John as Cornelia Cavendish, David Knight 
as Sebastian St. Battenberg, and Charlie May as Joy Dutton Cavendish. I am Giorgio Mariani, Game Master. You can follow us on Twitter at The Infinite Bad and support the production of this series on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash definitely human. The Infinite Bad is a definitely human production. 